Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome to season two of Performance People with me, Georgie. And me, Ben. Our guests this time round have 38 Olympic or Paralympic medals between them, 22 of them gold. There are countless world records, 16 Everest summits and the man responsible for some of the greatest inventions of our time. And alongside them are their closest confidence. They will share what drives these exceptional individuals to their highest heights. Performance People is free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can also follow us on our Performance People social channels. Now enjoy this week's episode. Joining us on today's Performance People are a husband and wife who've overcome huge obstacles to achieve their goals. Samo Farah is Britain's greatest track athlete with six world championships and four Olympic gold medals. While Mo was dominating athletics, though, he was also hiding a distressing secret that he was illegally trafficked to the UK as a child. Joining Mo is his wife, Lady Tanya Farah, the person who has supported him throughout his running career. Tanya was also the catalyst for Mo going public with his true identity and telling the world about who he really is. These two performance people have proven that with the right attitude and application, there should be no barriers to success. Running for me was just, it couldn't get any harder than what I've, what I've gone through. And at that point, I just kind of just went for it. It's like an extraordinary ability to overcome anything like I've never seen. And I think have you, if you hadn't gone through the, the, the trauma that you went through as a kid, you most people wouldn't be able to handle that. I think this has probably been my last year uh, overall, really being realistic and being honest. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Retire now. So, Tanya, Mo, the last time Mo I saw you, I think, was about freakily 12 years ago, something like that. We were on a league of their own on Sky 
And someone came up with this ridiculous idea that I had to armor up and go up against you on a travel. Well, I say up against you. I don't really mean up against you. I just had to run alongside you. That's actually even harder. On a travelator at your race pace for the 10,000, which is what, 13 miles an hour or something ridiculous like that. And I think I lasted about 1.5 seconds. <laughs> it was sort of abject humiliation for me at my end. But but looking back, at that was like 12 years ago. And that was before London 2012 and everything that's come since. Do you, do you remember that? Do you remember that moment? You probably don't. Yeah, I do. I do remember it uh, with John Bishop. And, <laughs> and it was, yeah, I just remember being on a treadmill and saying, what, what, what pace do you run at? And I was like, at this pace, should we try it? And everybody... Yeah, it was, it I remember was it. Was Everyone tread- fell over. It was a massive treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a massive, with a massive crash mat, crucially, at the far end, which is what yeah. John and I both needed by the end of that. I need to find that. Yeah. What, I haven't seen it. Yeah. I, I think there's a reason why you've not seen it. I've definitely not album. shown you for a good for a good reason, exactly. It was pretty humiliating <laughs> from my perspective. But that was like 12-odd years ago, something like that. And then I got to thinking, was that the, was that the show where James Corden came up with the mobile? Was that that? It, it wasn't that particular show, but it was one of the shows where, you know, I did League of Their Own and we were just having a chat and it was way before 2012 and we were just along the, the panel, the Claire Boarding, uh, James Corden, uh, Jack Whitehall um, and all of us were sitting there and we were like thinking, yeah, Mo, 2012 coming up. If you do win, we need to come up with a celebration for you. I was like, yeah, yeah, well. And we're having a chat and that and then they tell me, you say Bolt does the, you know, around the world I said, we need to come up with a celebration for you. And they were all just having a chat. And then Claire Boarding goes, YMCA, you know the songs. I do the M and the O. <laughs> and James Corden just said, okay, that's it. We should call that the mobile. And I, I promised them I'll do it. And I'll tell you, first time I did it, people were like, what is he doing? <laughs> and then after a little while, started winning more and then did it 2012 and everybody was doing it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, amazing. Was he busy busy at home, Tanya, in the mirror, just sort of practising it beforehand, just sort of working out exactly how it looked, how it was going to go down? Yeah, he did it a couple of times, and he kept saying to me, I'm going to do it if if I win, I'm going to do it. And I didn't think he would, so I was quite surprised when I saw him actually doing it as well. I was thinking, what is he doing? So then then come the gold medals and everything changes, right? I mean, what, what difference did it make? Um, being victorious at London 2012 to your no, lives, both of your lives? No, I think our lives did change in, in a good way. Uh, obviously, my, Tanya had the twins just after 2012 and and again, having two more kids and then having two medals and, and winning London 2012 was huge. Um, again, 2012 was, was massive in our, in, in our family and, and all around. Yeah, it definitely changed overnight um, because we were obviously in London where the Olympics had happened and and he'd won. I mean, after the first gold medal, it, it sort of blew up a little bit and suddenly we found that everybody knew who we were and Mo was still in the village and I was staying um, in Teddington with uh, with my, my eldest at the time. And between the, the, the first race, the 10K, and then the 5K a week later... It became, it, it was so overwhelming, the, the attention that I found myself not leaving the house because it wasn't over yet for us. It, he still had another race to, to go, so we couldn't quite celebrate yet or let go. So I, I stayed in the house and I, I, I kept as private as possible um, in order to shield all of us, really, from 
everything until it was over, until he still had, you know, one more job to do. And then we could celebrate. But even then, it was after the 5K, it was even more crazy. And, and I was still heavily pregnant. So I was trying to take it easy. And it's hard to do that when, you know, your husband's just won two gold medals in London. And <laughs> yeah, the, but it was all positive. Everyone everyone yeah. just was so happy for him and so supportive. And it was amazing. But it, it just overnight, everything changed. And of course, I mean, that's that's enough for any person to deal with, um, let alone the fact that Mo, just recently you've obviously made this documentary about uh, called The Real Mo Farah and you've told the world that all this time there was this, you know, this other past that you've, you haven't been able to share with people until then. And so, you know, this press intrusion, the chat shows, the interviews, the articles, all of that extra interest in you. I mean, how comfortable were you with that given you knew what you knew? No, honestly, it was... It, it was hard for me because, again, you know, as a, as a kid, you've gone through all the stuff and, and you've gone through the school, you've gone through the social services to, you know, to do something and nothing was ever done. And, and, and at that point, it was just one of these things where I go, OK, nothing's ever going to get done. Just go and do what you need to do. Don't let that hold you. And and then again, you know, obviously winning 2012 was huge and Overnight, as I said, like I wasn't just Mo, I was Mo, the Olympic champion who, you know, won in London 2012. And that was huge. And then you get to be on all these shows and everything. And yet, at that point, you just like, well, what, what do I do? What do I do? It was, it was hard for me. But again, it was just like, I just want to run. I just don't want to do anything else. I just want to do what I do. And again, at that point, we just kind of said, listen, just go and do this. Go, go and do what you need to do and, and just focus on your running. And that's what I did. And whatever that meant, I just kind of went along with it and just say, listen, I don't want any of this. I just want to concentrate on my running and, and do what I can. But it, it was it was difficult. And I, I knew at some point, obviously having my kids and my family, I knew at some point I will face these things. But it was that point where I just want to, I didn't want anything in the way of it. I just want to concentrate on my career and, and, and continue. And if it meant, you know, you going on these shows, it, it, you just made it work, didn't we? Yeah, just treated it like a job, I guess, <laughs> and switched off the, the emotional side of things. If these things didn't ever happen, would I ever achieve what I have achieved? That's the questions I always ask. Did, did that make me yeah. the man I am? Did that, is that big part of it? Which sometimes yeah. I, even now, you know, the, we've done a documentary and, and that's out of the way and, and, and everything's out. This part of you go, how do, how do I get overcome now? Would this, was this part of it? Was this, you know, mm -hmm. and then again, seeing my kids, seeing my family, I've always knew at some point, you know, I'll, I'll be honest to my kids and, 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 and tell them what they deserve because... The only reason we kind of did this documentary was seeing my kids and, and seeing at that age and couldn't imagine them at that age and gone through what I've gone through. And again... And is that part of the motivation, Mo? Did, sorry, do you yeah. think that's part of the motivation that, that drove you to the success that you had? At that point, if I could deal with overcome what I overcome, running for me was just... It couldn't get any harder than what I've, I've, I've gone through. And at that point, I just kind of just went for it. And I, I didn't feel like, 
you know, anything else other than just go and do what you need to do. Yeah, yeah for me, there's no doubt in my mind that that played a, a huge part in him being able to to go on to do what he did because I've seen how much he put he pushes himself physically, mentally, and it's like an extraordinary ability to overcome anything like I've never seen. And I think have you if you hadn't gone through the the, the trauma that you went through as a kid, you, most people wouldn't be able to handle that. And kids themselves are great catalysts for anything, aren't they? I mean, we've got a surrogate son, Fox, who was born in the States, and we've got a daughter who was an IVF baby. And you're like, at some point, we're going to have to sit them down. They're only six and two at the minute, so we don't have to worry about it just yet. But at some point, we'll sit them down and we'll talk them through that process and we'll be really honest with them and we'll have those conversations. And I think I think when you, when you have got things in your life that you need to at some point tackle, I mean, I don't think we ever don't think about it every day, like in terms of how we're going to have those conversations. And presumably that sort of, like you say, you can park it, you can put it to the back of your mind for, for a period of time, but ultimately it is there. It is something that you know you're going to have to deal with at some point. Is, is that a similar thing for you guys? Because you obviously knew that you wanted to share this with the children primarily, as opposed to the world. I mean, that must have been the, the, the first thing. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think for, for me, at least, you know, my kids are everything to me, my family. And I've always been big, and the reason why I love my family so much is you, you want to create that because you never had a family as tight. And, I, and my family are a big part of what I do every day and I'm trying to make them involved in you know, everything I do. And, and we're very honest with each other. And if someone messes up, one of the kids, you kind of say, to, okay, come. And then, and then we talk about it. We don't go, I'm not, mad, I'm not mad at them because they did that, but I just want them to be honest and transparent and, and just have that bond together because I think... All of us, our kids will make mistakes. They will get things right, but they will get things wrong. But I think it's it's having that connection with them. And, and I think with, without my kids and, and seeing my kids, I don't think I would have gone through what I've gone through with the documentary. They were a big part of it. Yeah. And what about the timing of all of that as well? Like, when is ever the right time to have those sorts of conversations? I mean, that's that's something that we talk about as well. Uh, you know, when when it when why did it feel like it was so right to do that um, before before Christmas? Yeah, it was just honestly, um, as I said, with with not doing as with seeing them at the age they are now, like they're nine. Do the uh, 10. Sorry, sorry. There. So when I came to the UK, I was nine. He Don't worry, that a lot. I get that wrong as well. <laughs> okay. It's fine. Oh, my God. And now they're 10. And just seeing them just kind of thought, you know, this is the right time and the right moment. It just felt right. Well, I think with the kids, with with, it, with kids, you just have to judge it by um, whether you, you think they would, they're ready to understand and, and comprehend that every kid's different. Um, and we felt like our, our girls, certainly our twins, um, were ready to hear it. They 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 already asking questions. Have yeah, lots of questions. Them. I think they can put things together themselves. Kids nowadays are you know able to find stuff out as well on the internet. So yeah. you know they know they they've met his family in in Somalia, um, and obviously the family in Somalia are not the family that on paper he has. So they're already seeing the differences. Um, so I felt right yeah. to tell them when they're when they're able to understand it. And in terms of the documentary, I mean, I always knew that it was something that Mo needed to address personally anyway, um, but not during his, his the, the height of his career. I, I think that would have disrupted um, his approach and his his 
his attitude towards running if he had opened up that can of worms in in the middle of his career. So um, it felt right at this stage of his career to address it. We didn't know at the you know years ago that he would be doing a documentary, but certainly no. being able to just address the the the, the truth and the story, um, it 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 was something that needed to happen, but not. <clears throat> not during the 2012 era, it had to happen towards the end of his career when he was able to deal with it. I think that's a really good point that you make, isn't it? It's like you did the distraction piece. It's like actually if you're in the middle of a, of a career that you see has longevity, and you can probably relate to this as well, you know, the last thing you need is, is all that extra Sorry. distraction and noise around it. And it's like just park it until you're ready to actually yeah. say, no, I've achieved all these great things and now, now is the time for this bit um, to, you know, to, to be talked about or whatever and the noise that comes with that. So I can, completely, I can completely see the sense in that. It must have been really special though, Mo, taking your boy back to... Uh, Somaliland, wasn't it? No, it was very special uh, to take him there and actually see, you know, where were you born, where you grew up, seeing my family, and actually just be him being part of it. And, and you know, and we named him after my name. If Tanya came up, I said, we're going to have a son. And she's like, we should name him insane. And I was like, that'd be cool. Was it also a, a huge... Did it feel like a huge weight oh, lifted? Relief. Yeah. You know, when you honestly, when you got, it, got it that was done. a massive relief. It mm. was because at times, you know, I'd be in the room and and getting the girls ready, and then we'd be in the room, and I'd be daydreaming because I'm thinking, I was the same age as them. Look what they're doing. What, what was I doing? And and it was if it, it did have a lot of effect on me. And again, unless you dress it and actually let it out, you're never going to feel better. And for me, it was a way of just being free. And, and I didn't know how it was going to come across, but it was just a way of just let, letting it out. And I, I definitely did feel a lot better. And I bet and the seeing... responses have been amazing, haven't they, guys? But you've had really positive responses to that documentary. Yeah. No, no it wasn't massive. And so many people have come back to us and saying, thank you, I've gone through this similar situation. I've gone through here and with child trafficking is huge. And until we actually met up with the right people and, and, and gone through it, we, I didn't even know it existed. But it's something that does exist and, and something that, you know, people go through it all the time. But again, and I think by me coming forward and actually letting ads say this is... I have achieved a lot, but I've also gone through this. People have more warm to it and gone, oh, my God, and, and coming forward and, 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 and talking about it because it does take a lot out of you. I found like it, that. to watch, I found it really heartbreaking in parts, but I also found it hugely inspirational because, like you said, Tanya, earlier, you know, the, to achieve what you've achieved, given the obstacles you had to jump over to get there, is just even more impressive. So, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people would have that particular take on it. Have you still got questions? Are there still things left unanswered? Or do you feel like you're at peace with the whole thing at the minute? <laughs> I don't know if I ever view peace uh, with the whole thing. Um, I'm definitely relieved. Um that a lot of it has been answered, but there's so much more unanswered and just more of the details, how and why. And it's still got a lot of questions and still, but I feel like 50, was it 50, 70% at least? Yeah, I'd say we, 
We, we, uh, the because question started before the documentary and, and in terms of, you know, I, I, was, I started digging around and asking questions and trying to put things together uh, years ago when I, when I realised and never quite got the answers. And, and part of the reason that Mo did the documentary was to try and get those answers with, with the help of the team. And they definitely were able to get more than, than we had, although there are still some answered, unanswered yeah. questions. And so all we can really do is try and make assumptions based on what, what we do know. And I mean, we know as much as, as I think we'll ever know yeah. because we've exhausted everything in trying to find out the, the specifics. But we, I think we know enough that... To make sense. Yeah. <laughs> but again, uh, it's just honestly, yeah, at least I know some bits... What we definitely know is that running gave you this, like, you obviously have this God-given talent for it, but it also seems to have given you this great outlay of, of somewhere that you can really sort of escape from everything that was going on during during that time. And, and obviously it, it gave you this incredible career subsequently. But, you know, how much do you credit running with actually sort of saving your soul and everything that sort of has come since? Yeah, no, for sure. If, I don't, if it wasn't for running, I don't think I would would be here talking to anyone. And I think I'll probably end up going the wrong path because, again, when you've gone through this trauma and, and, and as a kid, you just want to go away from it. And, 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 and that's how people, a lot of people get into trouble and other stuff. And running did save me because running was a way of out, a way of being free, and way of, for you, just keep hurting yourself and keep grafting. And I, th I think that's what I did, you know, over the years, just going... Okay, I like the feel of this. And it was just a way of keep pounding and pounding and, and just go through anything. If you've been that you go through that wall, you go through it because it was a way of just relief. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I I I mean I I try to run very, very poorly. But not I, like I, no. I, but it is an yeah, amazing release, isn't do, it? I? I mean, I know you obviously <laughs> do it. You're obviously doing it as a profession, but just as a as a sport, running's just an amazing feeling of freedom. And we we I I we used to live in uh, Hampton Court, so we used to run around Bushy Park. Bushy Park. Which yeah, I know is yeah. where you did a lot of your training. But I think my lap time around Bushy Park was probably <laughs> about forty minutes, where I don't know, you were probably about twenty minutes. So that's that decent, just man. Doesn't matter. That's that's that over seven miles, almost seven yeah, miles. Yeah, running. So, you know, on. a lap of bushy is no joke. So the fact that you can <laughs> complete a lap, and you know, it's better than most people. That's the thing. Yeah. But. I'll let you into another secret. When we went um, school, I'm going to call it school shopping. But when we look, when we went to look around various schools for our daughter Bellatrix, we we popped into one local school, and um, and we questioned them immediately on their competitive nature and whether it was all about giving medals to everyone or if they taught them the importance of winning or losing. And we sort of said, obviously, we're on the spectrum of we quite like the idea of you know, the taking part counts, but actually we quite like the idea of a winning and we losing philosophy so that it sort of teaches them for later in life that you can't win at everything. And that was our sort of take on it. And the teacher said, well, we have a policy here where it's very much about taking part that counts amongst the children. But, but we do have a um, sports day whereby the parents can be as competitive as they like and can play for places and medals and whatever else. 
And we said, okay, well, Ben, ben sort of got a little bit more interested. And then they said, the one caveat and problem that we have is that Mo Farah's a parent. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think at which point, you, at you which point we see. both went, oh, no, uh, this no. is no good. But well, did you know that he... There's a he he took part in that in the parents' race at sports day and came second. <laughs> Not third. The, <laughs> and the guy backwards. that won it was wearing jeans. Wearing <laughs> jeans. And I was like, oh no. And I had my spikes on. I was like, yeah, I'm ready for this. No. Uh, Do you know, isn't that always the way though? <laughs> Whenever we're in a, at a sailing club or anything like that, Ben always is too polite to say no to sort of the dad's race or whatever, where they go out and, and try their hand sailing alongside yeah. him. And invariably, whatever happens and he doesn't end up winning. And then there's this awful oh, bragging. No, but there's this about. awful bragging rights culture right. that goes on then, isn't there, with everybody <laughs> yeah, else. I I died, died, you know, I oh, the dad that won dined out on it for an entire school year. I, I mean, bet. it, it <laughs> didn't hit the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> tagging me as well going yeah have some of that <laughs> <laughs> how did you let that happen Mo I mean for goodness sake yeah. he's not a sprinter I'm that's not... what it is the, the parents race is always 100 metres and yeah, yeah. People, people just assume Mo's, Mo can, can run fast he can run fast but what they don't realise is speed. yeah he's you know he's, he's running fast is sustained running over many laps so a straight 100 metre <laughs> sprint not, not so much <laughs> God, sprint. I'm not buying that I still think you would take Tanya, out most yeah, people in a direct 100 metre sprint Tanya will beat me in the sprint finish <laughs> I'll, I'll beat Mo yeah. over about 50-60 metres and then he'll overtake me <laughs> so you two go so far back so you met at school so was it kind of a case of like kissing behind the bike sheds I mean how did this no. sort of relationship happen <laughs> oh not at all I Mo's three years older than me so at school he was always three three years uh, above me so I didn't see him as much in classes it was more like break times and then after school we went to the same running club Athletics and we lived yeah. around the corner so I'd, he lived just uh, a few minutes away from me so I'd see him a lot and to be honest, for about, I'd say, 10 years or more, it was more like, for me anyway, I don't know about you, brother and sister relationship. To me, I saw him as like a, a an older brother. We were really good friends. Um, and he, it wasn't until later on that he told me he was waiting for the right time. <laughs> and actually, I remember he did, I think when I was patient, about 15. <laughs> when I was about 15, he told, he told me that he liked me uh, as more than a friend and I, and I sort of, politely declined and then we carried on being friends um for what about another six seven more years until I think the time the time was right it felt it felt a bit more like it, it was gonna happen so yeah we were we were friends for what 12 13 years yeah, before anything touch as well so it was kind of just new I knew where she lived as well so he would be, yeah he would <laughs> he would randomly just just come to my house sometimes and one time he he came back from a training camp um overseas and my grandma was staying with us at the time and he brought me a gift something that he'd gotten in, I think in South Africa and it was really sweet and I thanked him and whatnot and didn't think anything of it and my grandma said afterwards to my mum oh he he definitely has a crush on her I can see the the sparks I see his, the look in his eye and I just like dismissed it I didn't I didn't want to think of it that way because to me he was he was such a good friend I didn't want to spoil that Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Now for kids spoiler. <laughs> yeah subsequently that didn't work out quite so well because there's four kids later (laughs) but tanya what about this juggle because you have this and i have this and there aren't many people that we can talk to about this that would understand how this works but this morning we're lying in bed and bellatrix our daughter comes and tumbles in as she does every morning and sort of gives ben maximum grief for the fact that he's about to get on another plane to go to another country to compete in another event and won't be back for a good few days um and and I mean it is awful because I mean, the way she says it is quite amusing. So we have a bit of a giggle about it. But it must be like quite soul destroying for you. And I know that it does it does hurt sometimes. I mean you guys must have this an awful lot with your training, Mo, and the amount <clears throat> of time you're away from home. Um, how how does that sort of pan out in your household? I think it's t- it's tough. Uh, well, not for me because I'm in a camp, <laughs> but with Tanya and the kids, and I see them more, more, more now because I, um, I'm at home a lot more than I was for the last three or four years, and you can see them. It, it does affect the kids. Um, yeah, a lot, especially um, when they're young, very young, and they don't understand why he's going away for so long. And and Mo's average trip away would be six to eight, sometimes twelve weeks, and. Mm. They, they, when they're so young, two, three-year-old, they don't understand that. And why? He's, and I obviously tell them he's coming home. He's he's going away to work. Um, but to them, they've. I think they just see it as he's he's gone. He's he's abandoned us. And and this, uh, all of our kids, when they were at that age, had some dif- had a lot of difficulty. In fact, and they reacted in different ways. One of them would just stop eating for two weeks. She just wow. didn't eat, and and she she would just drink milk, but not eat anything. And she got really skinny. And after about two to three weeks, she would adjust and Slowly and then start eating again. And, and then so she had that issue. And then our son would, his his emotion was just anger. So he was, he would take it out on me. Whenever Mo left, he was just angry all the time and, and he would refuse to do anything. And it was his way of coping. Um, and then the, uh, one of the other twins would, would just go quiet and, and sit in her room on her own. It was really tough because I couldn't do anything about it. I can't be dad. So as much as I try to compensate, it, it was like a huge loss for them. It was like they were grieving whenever he left. And I, I, I understand that feeling because I felt the same. But obviously, I can process and deal with it uh, as an adult, and they can't. So it was tough for me because I had my own uh, loss of him being away, and then I had to carry theirs. And seeing them like that is so hard. I mean, you know what it's like seeing your kids. There's nothing, there's nothing worse than ha- seeing your kids in pain and not being able to do anything about it. So... That was definitely the biggest sacrifice, I think, for Mo's yeah. career is is the huge time he spent away. 
Yeah, yeah, Mo, what about your your end of it? Like you say, you're in camp, so you're focused and you've got a routine and you know what you've got to do and you're on a mission, aren't you? You're on a single mission yeah. to to do what you want to do. But, I mean, that's going to pull at your heartstrings as well, right? You, you don't want to no. hear Tanya on the phone saying you're struggling with any one of your children. Yeah, no, for sure. And Tanya was really good at it. Uh, she, would, she wouldn't tell me things like little things that's happening for the kids. She only tell me big things that is happening that I needed to know. And she took care of it. And you don't really think about it because you just go, okay, Tiny's Day is taking care of it. And and then I can just concentrate on my training and, and focus what I need to do because as an athlete, to perform at your best, you've got to be able to go put in 120 miles week and week out and keep going and, and just eat, sleep and train and not think about anything else. And that's what it takes to be the best and to win medals. And, and and I could do that, but I needed, you know, everything else to be taken care of. Kids is okay, house is okay, everything else is okay. And at times it was hard because you, you know the kids or your son is on the phone to you or, or on, on FaceTime and talking to them and you're like, I miss you, Dad, when are you coming back? And you're like, okay, I'm coming back here. And then you get closer, closer, and then you compete. And then the hardest thing is you not doing as well as what, or, or the race hasn't gone as well. That's the hardest thing because you like, I've gone away from here to here. I've been in the camp, everything going on, and I feel like the race didn't go as well. And I didn't get, should have got more out of it. That's to me, that's the hardest because you like, that should have been. But that's, that, that was actually a really um, a big motivator because in the Rio Olympics uh, during the 10,000, before he went to Rio, he'd already gotten two gold medals for the twins and he was going for two more this time. And obviously with two other kids, he promised Rihanna, our eldest, that he would bring <laughs> home a gold medal for her. Um, and then our son as well would, would hopefully get the second gold if he won. And during the 10,000, he fell over in the middle of the race and he said that the the one thing that that really pushed him to not just get back up but to to go out and win was that he promised Rihanna that medal and it it because of all the time we spent away he didn't want that to all have been wasted so if anything the the sacrifices also play a big part in motivating him to to, to make it worthwhile and not to let them down and just go after it because at that point when I did go down I was like oh my god race is over I've been in camp I've been training for I'm not going to have another Olympics again I don't know how how my body's going to be to, to come back to another Olympics and at that point I was just like you've got to get up and I once I got up I was just kind of just being patient take it slowly but a lot of it was like I didn't want to let Rihanna down I didn't want to let her down and go home and with nothing and go Sorry, Ree, because she was old enough now to ask questions and, and I felt like, you know... You'd have been in so much trouble. That is, that is oh, so yeah. much You'd pressure to put yourself me. under. No, I know, no. but again, you know, my, with my Olympic medals, each one has their own names on it now. I engraved with their names on it and gave one and I felt like for for over the years while I've been in camp and, and not been around for them as much, that's theirs, that's the least I could do. I have other things that, you know, other medals, but there's... It's theirs. And I was like, okay, it's framed for you. When you're old enough, it's yours. You do what you want with it. And, and what's you know, it like what when you come home? Means. The re the readjustment, the readjustment bit. Because I think that's always really quite tricky for families. When when the when you've definitely been away from home and then you come back and it's sort of that readjustment. I don't know what you're talking, it's fine. <laughs> 
it's not well, fine, sometimes it? it is. It's but it's hard because <laughs> we go and create our worlds and our lives to sort of keep ourselves busy and doing what we're doing. And, you know, and um, we've got our own thing going on. As much as you don't want to admit it, we do. We have our own yeah. thing going on. And then obviously the kids have too. And they've got parties on a Saturday that we don't want to cancel just because dad's home and stuff like that. So how, how do you sort of readjust when you come back home? Is it tricky? Do you need to decompress a little first? Or how, how does that pan out? Well, to me, it's a big shock. You know, you come back from camp and you've just been getting over and you've been concentrating yourself and you come back and you're like, what's going on, Don? And then you're like, okay, the school... You normally, you know what time you have to drop them at school and pick them up, but there's other stuff going on. And I'm like turning up and you're like, should I be picking them up from here? No, 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 no. And it's, 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 it's difficult, honestly. It's like, t- to me, it's like, it's more hard than running. <laughs> I'd rather just go. go <laughs> and just run and do so much mileage and just concentrate on yourself and you know do what you can. Can we but, say can we say parenthood is harder than winning a gold medal? Uh, it is yeah. in a way because again the kids with with our kids each one of them has different thing going on and you staying on top of it and and I'm not as much as I say like we're not as detailed as to what they need and Tanya's very detailed and she knows and everything's planned and and I couldn't do that I'm like this is stressing me (sighs) which is ironic seeing as everything in your lives is so routine led and so scheduled and so well thought through and planned through and strategized and tactics are all part of that and everything else and so so you two should absolutely be able to relate that to a a children's day (laughs) we we we're only in charge of ourselves, and that's all. You know, when you're elite, it's different, and our mind, I think, works differently too. In terms of because, you know, Ben, like to be the best, this is what it needs to, do. and you work down from there. You go, okay, this is the race. That's where I'm going to be peaking, and then you work down, and then it's a schedule, and you do one race, and you're like, I'm missing this little things. What can and you and you keep changing, and tactically, if you get it wrong in a race, you're like, I know what I did wrong. I'm going to try something different. And you're not afraid to try something different. But that's all we know, not this parenting. <laughs> and the kids and I think you're always yeah. learning as a parent, aren't you? It's never a it's never a foregone conclusion, any of it. It's too true. No. no. <laughs> so what happens so what happens next? You're spending a lot of time at home at the minute. So what does that mean? Does that mean that you're sort of starting we talk a lot about Right. When is enough enough? Because we've done a lot of this traveling thing. We've done a lot of this separation thing as a family. Um, when are you finally going to go? You're done okay. with this bit and you're moving on to the next chapter of your life. And we talk so about what, that, what that all the time. Retiring or just normal? <laughs> just just I think it's I think it is that kind of for a sportsman. It must be incredibly hard calling time on something that is yeah. is ev- has been everything to you, has been your entire world and such an intense world for such a long period of time. Um, and I think that, you know, that manifests itself in lots of different ways. And I think it's important, isn't it, to know what comes next after that so that there isn't this hole. Um, but we talk about it an awful lot because I'm constantly saying, when is this going to end? Um, and I don't know about you two. How does that, how does that, um, how do those discussions go in your house? I mean, are you thinking? You must be thinking. I mean, Mo, you're, are you for, are you forty this year? 40, I think you're forty yeah. this year. You must I, I be think thinking, right? <laughs> when is when is enough enough? You've achieved so much. What more is left to achieve? 
I don't think there's any more to be achieved at that high level. Um, as I said, to have four Olympic gold medals, so, uh, world championship. Um, you know, for me, as I said, one thing if I had to add, add in my bucket list where you go, what's that one thing you would do and, and stop would be to win the London Marathon. Always my key was, you know, have, having taken part in the mini marathon. London Marathon was always like, that's the one I want to would love to win. And I did finish third. But then again, you have to be honest with yourself and honest with your body. And as we're getting on a bit, our body is not capable of what it was doing beforehand because it's just you're getting on and you're getting a little more niggles, a little more injuries. So it all depends on the body. But for me, if, if I had a good run and then if you say to me, OK, this is it, you go and compete one marathon and, 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 and if, if you were, if that was the result, I got mic drop. I'm up. <laughs> <laughs> so are we so are we saying that London so London in April, the marathon in April has returned to its usual spot in April. Um it, are you all guns blazing for that? No, I think it all just depends on how the body is. It's just taking one step at a time and then to try and get yourself in decent shape and then and, and, and from there. But I think this has probably been my last year uh, overall, really being realistic and being honest. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Retire now. No. <laughs> I mean, ta- no, but Tanya, do you do you have those same conversations that I have with Ben, with Mo, which is like, come on now. We, we've had this absolutely incredible run. It's been a fabulous, you know, haul. Um, and, and now it's time for the next bit. We've had that conversation many times <laughs> over the years. And I've been ready for this uh, for, for probably five years plus. I thought after Rio... He would probably run another year or two. And he said that London 2017, the World Championships, would be um, his last track race. race. And so I took that as, okay, maybe another year after that. And here we are in 2023, and he's still talking about potentially doing the London Marathon. And I've said to him, at what point um, are you going to even set in your mind a a time period or a last race? You need to be realistic. And, And for me, I think... There is no perfect ending. Some people might, you know, might have that. Some sports people might, but quite often it doesn't maybe end the way you think it will. And you've you've got to be realistic, which he's he is now. But to be honest, I feel like we've got to the point where it, it's already he's achieved everything. So you know, whatever he does now is a bonus. There is nothing left to to prove. And the thought of him having to go away again as well for another training camp is just. It's not sitting well with me, to be honest. <laughs> Don't remember the doghouse. With me, Ben. You drag, you drag it out, Mo. You're a long time retired. I'm with you, mate. Just keep going. <laughs> Don't encourage him, please. Honestly, I know. I know. It sounds like you have very similar conversations to the ones that we have. I mean, I suppose that's the thing about athletes of 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 nowadays. You look after yourselves. You maintain your bodies to such a degree that actually you really can eke it out for a few more years than probably you know previously thought. You look at you know various people like Tom Brady out there still still doing it. This that and the other. And like you yeah. say, I think Tanya, it's true. There's no perfect end to this story because even if you went out on a total high, you'd ask yourself if you were going out too early. So, so I don't. <laughs> I don't true. ever think yeah, there's yeah. a. I don't ever think there is a perfect time. You know, I. No. I, I think that's probably. Okay. Do you feel that way? Do you? I'm feel sure. That way? I'm sure. I mean, it's hard because I'm. I know. I'm sure it's the same for Mo's as for me. You know what you want to try and achieve, and I'm sure you'll know when the time's right, there, Mo. And it's very hard to say so far in a distance. Well, this is, this is it. This is a timeline because. 
so much can change. Well, I guess if your body, though, is breaking. So we interviewed Sam Warburton for the for season two of our, of our podcast, and he said he'd had just so many operations and so many injuries, and his body just couldn't... He was bouncing on the trampoline with his daughter, and he just couldn't... He couldn't bounce on his knees. Yeah. He was in so much pain. And he just called his wife and said that's it, I cannot Done. do this any longer. So I guess if your body won't allow you, then that's already made the decision for you in a way, which yes. I suspect is, hot, is is an easier call to make than actually if, you, if your body will still allow you, right? Yeah, and I think again, it's just with distance, as I said, like last couple of years, has it been, for me, hasn't been a smooth ride yeah, where, you know, you've gone, keep piling up the miles and, and you keep running, it's been stop, start, and, and that makes it even more harder. So for me, probably last year, if I didn't get injured before the marathon, um, I probably would have called it. That, that would have been it. Uh, but then training's got all gone well. And then just before, two weeks before you got injured, you're like, oh, God. And then, you know, rest up. And then, and then slowly coming back now. And I just feel like, you know, where I was last year, I feel like <laughs> there's still more. But... But again, it's just being honest and, and see how the, how the body is. Again, if my body's okay, then we'll definitely be. This is will be it because in my mind, I'm like, well, I don't want to keep going to Paris 20, 2024 because I feel like you know with what I've what I achieved over the years, I could give back to the younger athletes and, and yeah. maybe even a, you know as a coach or, or as a mentor or just help them get through it because I think there's a lot of athletes who will go into that Olympics putting themselves and so much pressure, which they don't need to. And I think there's, with my skills and what we've learned over the years, there's so much more you can help with others. And I think if I know I'm helping others, then that still gives me that drive and that feel good. <laughs> yeah. That sounds sensible, Mo. Mo let's do that. <laughs> Don, <laughs> yes, please. In terms yes. of, uh, yeah, in terms of legacy, is that where you see yourself going Mo and, and and Tanya as well do you guys have a plan of what what that looks like sort of post -com competition no I really I mean I I'm just I I, I want to be able to uh catch up I uh, same I more like Mo and us as a family catch up on a lot of the time that that we lost over the last 10 or so years and um for me the a perfect sort of transition would be to spend at least a year just being a normal family that's that are together all the time and and do things as a normal family would which is what something that we've lacked um pretty much since the kids were born and um and then beyond that I don't know I think always oh, as long as we're here for Arsenal games <laughs> it's fine <laughs> we've got a season yeah. to get Arsenal yeah, that's right <laughs> No, get that, no, get that no. season ticket. The going. next chapter is Tanya's yeah, choice, right? <laughs> yeah, I've, well, I've already, I've already started doing things for myself more so in in the last year. I'm, I'm doing a degree. I wouldn't been able to do that before with when Mo was away because I just didn't have the time and um, and I run a lot more myself now as well. So I, I'm doing more things for myself now that I'm able to. But that being said, I'm always prepared to take a step back and and put you know if Mo's doing a race, then then I'll have to put that first because I always, I always knew that at some point his running will be over and then I'll be able to 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 catch up on things that I missed so yeah I've got things lots of things that I want to do and I'm planning to do them when when it's all over no pressure yeah. well, <laughs> what are you what are you studying Tanya it's um, great forensic to hear you back at school what are you studying oh wow, wow. okay 
Yeah, I'm fascinated by that. That is a mic drop, that. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I thought about wow, doing sports impressive. psychology because I understand it so much through, through yeah. being with Mo, but I, I just felt like that was, it was, um, I don't know, too easy almost. I wanted to do some, I, I'm fascinated by um, also forensic psychology, the, the sort of criminal mindset and the the, the mindset of how the, the, the brain works. Um, and so I've, I've wanted to do it for a long time, but never had the chance. So I'm finally, I'm in my third year now. So, um, yeah. yeah, I'm hoping that I can t- can go down that path. Yeah, good on you. Yeah. Wow. What about wow. me, yeah? Just keep running, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mo, might you go and... I, I, I think I read something somewhere that you wanted to go and coach at Arsenal. Do you want to go and do that? Or are you focused on a, a track, track, and, um, track and field? Not anything in sports. I, I'm a massive fan of football. Uh, obviously, I wouldn't ha- I have the understanding that I do in, in running. But again, it all comes in again, uh, you know, with sports. Uh, for me, I'd love to be involved in sports, and if it means teams or clubs, or you know, just I, I think there's so much we learn over the years. You know, how you know you can get yourself into from here, being here to here, and it's not about one year where you go. I'm here, jump. But it's all about you know the grafting, the work, and keep 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 piling it in. And I think we do. There's a lot of areas that I, I see, you know, I was thinking a lot, lot of, even in football teams and other stuff or athletes are struggling through that. So I feel like I'd love to be involved that way, that project where you go from here to, you know, see what, what, what we can produce. So before we, before we let you go, this podcast is called Performance People. So I'm going to ask you each for a performance tip. Um, that people can employ in their lives on a daily basis that will make them perform a little bit better. <laughs> um, so, Tanya, how about you go first? What 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 do you think is a, a brilliant um, performance tip that people can take away and employ in their everyday lives? Um, well, I think consistency and hard work. I know mm-hmm. that's something that probably most people have heard before, but it really is the, the underlying um, key to performing well in anything and I've learned that through running and and even my studies as well that you have to be you have to work hard on a consistent basis and be disciplined um but also take the pressure off don't you know put don't put as much pressure on yourself um because it, the pressure we feel most often is is put on by ourselves it's not an you have the ability to control how you feel and, and and how you perceive something and pressure makes a huge difference so I think if you take pressure off and 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 don't tell yourself that what you're doing is 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 super crucial or the be all and end all for me that's that's helped me perform better in what I do and Mo how about you I think whatever you do just enjoy it and believe in it um, and I think often as I said sometimes we always trying to please or do things, certain things to make other people happy. Just do it for you and if, if whatever that means. And as long as you know you put in 110% and, and you, worked, you, you you tried your best, that's what counts. And uh, I think, and don't be afraid to make mistakes or stuff because we will. As I said, even for, for ourselves, we're learning, we will make mistakes. And you don't always have to be perfect and get things perfect always. Yeah, it's good to get it perfect and, and set yourself set yourself a target. You get to that, uh, but don't think you're going to get that target straight away. Just keep taking step step forwards, and then when you're there, go okay. I've done that. What's next? Again, 
That's a bit like what Ben often says to our daughter. It's okay to lose, just don't make a habit of it. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of. (laughs) When you got a set of tweets, you're like, I beat her. (laughs) Yeah, but you came That's to come. (laughs) Yeah. That's wonderful. Thank you. Guys, thanks so much. It's been really lovely to chat to you. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I keep going, man. When we do retire, we get together. When we do retire. Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be really nice. <laughs> yeah, just, not in a, just not in a running race, mate. What are you talking about? Well, now we <laughs> well know. actually, now we know he's not Weakness. any good at sprinting. It's fine. Yeah, we're up for the dance race. <laughs> so that, that was, I mean, that was, I thought that was quite intense in a good way. But, I mean, what a story for both Mo and Tanya. But uh, I guess for me, the big thing was, takeaway was just that uh, Mo had to, had to believe in it and and enjoying what he was doing, ultimately, in the end, which gave him, you know, that passion to come through. But what, what, what was your takeaway yeah, from it? I think it was that bit about both him and Tanya were in agreement, I think, on the fact that if it hadn't have been for his backstory and all the adversity he faced as a child that was trafficked to the UK at that early age, who knows whether he would have gone on to achieve all the things that he did. Um, because clearly he he believes and Tanya believes that the person he is today is because of the person that he you know was as a youngster too, and the experiences he had at that early age. So I mean, who knows whether that is all part of what makes Mo Farah the Olympic champion? You know, it, it, I think it is, isn't it? It's yeah. all part of it. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think it must be. Uh, the other bit that that really stood out was Tanya talking about consistency and hard work as the two things that she really, you know, has said are the key to performing brilliantly. And I think that is very relevant to Mo, isn't it? You can see that, you know, in everything he does, it's all about consistency and hard work. Uh, Yeah, it has to be in that sport in particular. 120 miles a week in training he runs. I mean, that is just mind-boggling, isn't it? Yeah, it's phenomenal. Thank you for listening and or watching. This has been Performance People and we are Georgie and Ben Ainsley. And remember, from what we've learned today, consistency and hard work definitely add up to success and performance. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.